Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The tennis world is down under for the first major of 2023. And as we reach the business end of the tournament, these stars are all looking to shine in Melbourne. He began the tournament as the fifth seed, but after a straight sets win in the quarters, Novak Djokovic is closing in on his 10th Aussie Open title. Plus, unseated Tommy Paul scored the biggest win in Melbourne for an American man in 14 years. So how far can he go? And it's not traditional tennis. It's not pickle or paddle ball either. It's called road tennis. And you won't believe where it's played and how it started. All those stories and our hot shots, stat of the day, and more over the next hour on this Australian Open edition of Tennis Channel Live. The semifinals are set in Melbourne, and we've got some blockbuster matches featuring former champs, first-timers, and the next generation of superstars. No matter who ends up with the trophy, history will be made on the island of Australia. Welcome to TC Live, our pregame show to get you ready for these matches. Women's semifinals on Rod Laver Arena tonight. Reigning Wimbledon champ Elena Rybakina facing two-time Aussie Open winner Victoria Azarenka. Then it is Arena Sabalenka and Magdalenette making their semifinal debut in Melbourne. Stefano Tsitsipas got the hair flowing, warming up for tomorrow's matches. Semifinals for the fourth time at the Australian Open, hoping to take it one step further this year. He is a perfect 5-0 against Corinne Hatchinoff. And there is Elena Rybakina making her semifinal debut here. 35 aces thus far facing her third former major champion in a row after taking out Iga Sviantek and Yelena Ostapenko. Come on in. Great to have you here with us. After today, we are down to the finals. Prakash Amitraj, Steve Weinsman, Lindsay Davenport, John Wertheim. It is day 11, the business end of this event. Uh, John, what stood out to you from yesterday? Oh, man. Well, we had a quarterfinal with the fourth seed against the fifth seed. Can't get closer than that. This is going to be a great matchup. And we forget that one of those seeds was Novak Djokovic, <laughs> who uh, sometimes shows survival instincts and other times he has to look for the opponent on the bottom of the shoe. Uh, yesterday, it was the shoe variety. I mean, that level of precision and crispness and movement, it's, it's a guy's 35 years old. I'm not sure I've seen him play a better tennis match. Hmm. You know, it struck me yesterday in watching some of the women play. It's sometimes people are looking for, okay, what's the secret? What's going to push me over the edge? And almost always it goes back to hard work and being all in. And especially in this day and age, you will not find a top player that isn't totally committed to doing everything they can to be at the top or to win majors. And something hit Arena Sabalenka last year and one of the toughest years of her career serving, forgot how to serve, her biggest weapon, had to serve underhand. You know what she did? She went and was like, I'm going to exhaust everything. I'm going to turn over every stone till I am successful. She got a serve specialist. She's obviously been working so hard physically. You can see her body transformed. It's so much stronger. She's so much fitter. You can tell she's a player that has been doing everything possible in her control to try and get that elusive slam. It's paying off in her play. 
in her results, I, you've got to think that it's coming, if not in a couple days, sometime this year. She has not dropped a set all year. I mean, Amazing. she is playing spectacular tennis. Prakash, uh, what, what did you like the most? My mind was a bit on the women's side of things, too, on the heels of Pliskova's loss. I think to all of the great champions who've, who've won multiple Grand Slams and who've been able to perform at the business end of these Grand Slam events, we have so many great players here who've, who've not been able to get past certain opponents that, quote, they should beat. And I'm so curious if it's, if it's a mindset thing or what's different. Uh, Lindsay, for example, when you got to that stage and you didn't have to play a Venus or a Serena, what was your mindset? Did you feel extra pressure when you're playing someone you, you, you should beat? Probably more relief. <laughs> there are so many great players. I mean, you, you, I would always expect to play Venus or Serena or Hingis, or then it became the Belgians with Hennen and Kleisters. If there was ever a break there that it maybe wasn't one of them, and I thought I was playing someone that might be playing the biggest match of their career, would relish it. Would mm. think, this is great. i got to try and take advantage of that. I can see that working on the opposite where someone feels so much pressure. Oh, i got to win this match. But um, more often than not, you really are more relieved than mm. not. Novak Djokovic took advantage of it yesterday, taking on Andre Rublev. He has certainly owned the head-to-head -head in that matchup. The nine-time champions won 25 straight matches in Melbourne. And Rublev is trying to reach a major semi for the first time, Lindsay. And, and Novak really sent his message to the locker room after beating Diemenauer. There were some questions the first couple of rounds. He answered those in the previous round, and he just picked up right where he left off on Rod Laver Arena. He was able to move around seamlessly. He was dictating play. The good news for Novak is he's now been able to play defense these last two matches, get in and out of the corners, transfer into the court a little bit sooner, and be able to then play offensive tennis. Rublev was searching for answers out there. He was trying. Nothing was going his way. Novak has played at night every single match. He's so accustomed to these conditions. He was lighting it up again. He's looking so good to win another Aussie Open title. This was not much of a challenge. He faced five break points. He never got broken. He was just dominating these baseline exchanges. Rublev did not play that poorly. That's how good Djokovic was. Said he, if he had to sum it up, all the important shots, the important moments, he found his best tennis. He did. And right when he was able to get the early break in the third, he kind of felt like this match was over. Rublev still a little bit tired from, I think, emotionally the Runa match. And Novak able to get through this match pretty comfortably in just a little over two hours. 14 aces, won 80% of his points on the first serve. Tied Andre Agassi's record of 26 straight wins here. He loves the court in Melbourne. Take a look at this. I mean, has not lost in Australia for 39 matches. And when he makes the semifinals in Melbourne, he is absolutely perfect, 18-0. That is dangerous territory for everyone else who's left. With this kind of game, of course, the confidence level rises, uh, considering, as you mentioned, the circumstances. So, you know, I feel, about, feel good on the court, better and better as the tournament progresses. Uh, I've been in this situation so many times in my life, in my career. Um, you know, never lost the semifinals in the Australian Open, and hopefully they'll stay, that will stay the same. To be honest, I was just trying not to think about it. I was just trying uh, to keep telling to myself to don't give up, to play, to try to play one extra game. You never know what can happen, just uh, to stay in the game. Uh, there was nothing that impressed me because he's one of the best, and I, I knew it's going to be really tough, and that's it. So it's very simple.
I mean, remember when we were talking uh, about Novak's hamstring? I mean, since yeah. then, Prakash, she's gone ham on everyone. <laughs> it, it, it's mind-boggling. John, i got to point out to one thing you brought up earlier this week about just how much attention and sacrifice that he's put on longevity. Mm. It's not easy to do. I mean, look, everyone at the top of their game, they try to manage their health as good as possible. Uh, you look at a guy like Juan Martin Del Potro, he's had bad luck, but he would have done everything under the sun to be able to try to get back there. It's one thing to be able to give that effort. It's another thing to be able to execute it for so long. He doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. He's at this 21 Grand Slams titles, and he's still looking very much in his prime. So you just wonder how long can he stretch this out. He is, he is changing the way athletes should be looking at their game. I still love the other day when he said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to celebrate too early. Uh, I think he knows <laughs> that in all likelihood a celebration is pending. And, yeah, I mean, I think we can, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. He still has six more sets to win, but we can spin this forward and say he's 35 years old. He keeps himself in great shape. Some of this is his own constitution. Some of this is the money and the means that allows him to do it. Why is he slowing down? I mean, that last six sets of tennis that he has played is, is peak Djokovic. I'm not sure I've seen him play better. And, yeah, why 40 years old? Sure. I, I can see it. Keep, keep rolling. Amazing. And Novak obviously knows that when he reaches this stage of this event, he has never lost. For Andrei Rublev, unfortunately, when he reaches the quarterfinals of a major, he has never won, Lindsay. Uh, what do you think it is that, that has prevented him from getting past this point? Yeah, and he's had a couple of opportunities if you've looked at who he has lost to in those quarterfinals. It, you know, for some players, it just overwhelms them. The occasion, I don't know exactly with Rublev, but he's got a good game. But you could see he's shattered. You know, this is the round he wants to get past. He's dying to get into the final four of a major. It's going to be a tough out against Novak at any major, especially in Australia. But I think he was exhausted mm -hmm. from having just the path to get to the quarterfinal. And a lot of times for players, it, you, you're so happy to get through the first week. The top players are like, okay, I, I'm going to get through the first week. And did I get through the first week with my gas tank pretty full? And that is their goal. And they do everything on their off days. As Prakash was saying, they, everything is, is around how am I going to be at close to 100% the final three or four days of a tournament. For other players, it's way more of i got to win my second-round match. And it doesn't matter if I go five. It's like a 10-step process for the guys that are winning these all the time. I think Rublev was just a little bit gassed against Novak. You know, that horrible cliche, one match at a time, that every match is this, this independent event. But it's not, and you hit on it, and you play a five-setter in the previous round against a tough young player. You're down match point. He's serving for the match in the fifth set. There is so much, apart from the physical wear and tear, there is so much psychic wear and tear, and I, you just feel like he was spent in so many ways, and then he's got the best player in the world on the other side of the net. That, that's, uh, that's not good when, you, when that happens yeah. and, and you're getting that kind of a matchup. So Novak Djokovic moving on once again to the Final Four. Who would he meet? We are guaranteed an American man in the semis for the first time since Andy Roddick in 09. Would it be Tommy Paul or Ben Shelton Prakash? Boy, did I enjoy watching both these guys play. He used the court really, really well, but it was Tommy Paul who just came out with a very, very solid strategy and just stuck to it. He really worked at breaking down the Shelton backhand. That's something that we saw quite a few times during the match. He just stayed with it, didn't really give him an opportunity to hit too many forehands. Tommy mixed it up well, got to the net as well, and just put a ton of pressure on Ben. Ben didn't seem to be under as much pressure earlier. You see his shoulders droop just a little bit, and that says a lot because Ben is about one of the more positive guys out there. Tommy here showing some great wheels, but it was Ben who fought back from a breakdown in that third set, so credit him for being able to fight back and win this third set, push it to a fourth. 
a ton of fight, and that's something that's going to stand Ben Shelton in really good stead moving forward. But as soon as he dropped that third, Tommy Paul didn't get upset. Body language was fantastic throughout. Got a break immediately in that opening game of the fourth set. Was able to hang on to his serve all the way throughout. Serve exceptional. 70% first serves in. Won 82% of those first serves. 72% of those second serves. And used that right hand quite a bit. 43 winners to just 26 unforced errors. Won 23 of 28 points at net. Into the semis of a slam for the very first time. It wasn't like the, the prettiest match ever today, but it was uh, how I needed to play the match. It was how the match I felt like was always going to be. He's a great server, and I like to think of the last four years of my career as just been like steady steps moving up. Um, I mean, that's what it's felt like at least, and I feel like hopefully 2023 is the year where I really make a, a big jump and push into you know, the top 15, top 10. That's where I want to be ultimately. My first quarterfinal of a Grand Slam, um, I thought I thought I played played all right. Um, some things that I could do better, and things that I would maybe try to do next time if I could do differently. But uh, um, uh, I'm pleased with the result. This being my f my first time at the Australian Open, so taking a lot of positives away from it. Love that attitude from both of those guys. No losers here. The next generation of American men's tennis is here to stay. Tommy Paul into the top 20 in the live rankings. Ben Shelton, who was around 600 last year at this time, playing number three singles at Florida. Now a top 50 player in the world. Pretty impressive stuff. It, it was cool also, Lindsay, to see that Tommy's mom yeah. was able to fly over to Melbourne to watch this match. Uh, got right off of work and from Jersey. made it. Yeah, from Jersey. Right. Uh, made it into the stands. What stood out to you? I know you liked the strategy from Tommy Paul. Yeah, he did a master job of playing how he wanted to, really opening the court by going to the Shelton backhand quite a lot, breaking down that shot, and when he had some time going out then to the forehand, getting him on the run, did that very well. I think with, with Tommy is it he grew up in this great group of players, right? And it's not always easy to be the last one to achieve things. As you're sitting there, as people you grew up with and your buddies as well, so you're happy for them, but maybe you beat them in the juniors or you think you should be doing it. And it's so important to remember, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Whoever gets there first isn't necessarily going to end up being the best or, or have the most accolades. So imagine it could not have been easy for him the last few years to see the great rise of Taylor and Francis and even Riley. And, yes, he's happy for them and they're all friends, but I'm sure that kind of motivated him also. What a nice moment for him. He's a great player. He's also put in a lot of hard work this mm -hmm. last year. He's kind of changed his whole mindset about what it means to be a pro tennis player, and it's paid off early this year. Uh, building off of that, Linz, I, I thought there was a ton of pressure on him in this match. As you said, he was probably the last one in his group to be able to get to this stage and, and get into a semi, work his way into the top 20, hopefully into the top 10. And I think his temperament was a huge asset. I mean, you see them after the match here, showing a lot of love to Dean Goldfein and, uh, and, and Ben's camp there. He's, he's a really likable guy, and I, I think he went out there with the right kind of mental attitude and didn't worry about the fact that, you know, again, he should beat his opponent. He showed up there, did the strategy he wanted to do, and I love the fact that he was just having huge margin on all his balls, clearing the net by a ton, made his life a lot easier than, um, than it could have been. Played like a veteran, played like yep. the older yep. player. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's been very upfront about this, Tommy Paul has. And he said, look, chronological age isn't necessarily emotional maturity in the first couple of years of his career. He said, look, I, I was kind of a knucklehead, and it took me 
a few years to grow up, and now we see the result of that. I also think if Ben Shelton had won this title, you know, if he pulled a McEnroe from, from the early 80s, great. But short of that, that's about as good a result as he could get. He won matches. He won money. He doesn't have to qualify for events. He learned a lot about his durability, about his stamina. He sees a couple things he could work on. I mean, there were a couple of sort of patches when he went away. We talked about his return. But what a revelation, huh? In five tour-level events, Ben Shelton has made it into the top 50. For some perspective, <laughs> it took Rafa Nadal eight tour-level events to get into the top 50 for the first time. That's how good this run has been for Ben Shelton. But Tommy Paul gets Novak Djokovic next as we take a look at the men's semifinals. We'll see if TP can make it one step further, obviously taking on the nine-time champion in Australia. Top half, Stefano Tsitsipas and Corinne Hatchinoff. We will break down that matchup later on TC Live. Reminder that tomorrow, the four of us back here for TC Live at 5 o'clock Eastern, the women's semifinals at 3.30 a.m. Eastern. So get up bright and early or just don't go to bed. Encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone, 8 a.m. tomorrow. Still to come, Victoria Azarenka, just two wins from her third Australian Open title. Our experts break down her chances a decade later. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back. Another gorgeous day as we have reached the business end of the Australian Open. Women's semifinal action after today. Just two will remain. Who will take the title at this year's Australian Open? Well, Victoria Azarenka was the number one player in the world in January of 2013. Ten years later, only three other players from the top 20 back then are still on tour. Needless to say, if Azarenka wins the title, it'll be the longest gap for any player in the open era between major wins. For more stats like that, make tennis.com your online information source throughout the Australian Open and the entire season. Right now, Steve Tigner has your three to see on day 11, and the baseline staff has the quote of the day. As always, it is time now for your daily forecast with Fox Weather. Hi there, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather's Britta Merwin, and here's today's Australian Open forecast. We're looking at the weather in Melbourne, Australia, which is perfect, 80s with gorgeous sunshine. Now you can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. Thanks, Britta. Arena Sabalenka heading to her fourth semifinal in her last six majors. Can she finally break through to a championship? Lindsay, John, and Prakash will let you know next. Lindsay John Prakash, Steve, back on TC Live. There is Coco Golf getting ready. Just playing some doubles tomorrow into the semifinals with Jess Pagula. We'll have her highlights from the quarterfinals coming up later on the show. But there are no off days for Coco Golf in Melbourne. 
Meantime, yesterday, former world number one Carolina Pliskova hoping to get one step closer to her first major title, taking on Magda Lynette, who had never been past the third round of a slam before this year. Yeah, we thought this was going to be offense, defense, not really. Lynette beat the 16th seed, the 19th seed, the 4th seed Garcia, and now she gets 30. Well, this ought to be easy. Um, she's really sort of a, a clinical, technical player. Just stay cool. Remember, guys, these two, these are the two matches where there's no day off, so a little bit of time pressure. Not only do we want to win, but we want to win pretty quickly. And Magdalenette, you know, if you're Pliskova, you're not going to win a lot of matches when you're not serving more aces than Magdalenette, your opponent. And they both have three. Same number of winners, but Lynette had 20 fewer unforced errors. Just a really solid match. Did what she needed to do. Not a great showing, though, from Plitschkova. Big opportunity for her. Goes by the wayside. And the number 45th-ranked player into the semis. She gets another seed, her fifth. Staying composed, really, mentally. Uh, when it was really tough on my serve, she was getting very aggressive. And my first serve wasn't always there. I think I did really well to not to panic and uh, still stay in the rally and go for the shots when I had the chance. So that was, I think, something I did the best. Super disappointed about um, overall just the result. I mean, the game, I thought I was playing quite well f for like full two weeks. Even today was not like that bad, but I just think she she really made it difficult for me. Um, she really played well from the baseline. I just didn't find um, any like space in the court to, to go for my winners. And, and obviously the serve was not great today at all. So. Well, Lynette added after she's 31 and just getting it right, dealing with mistakes better, growing up emotionally. Take a look at this. Finally, breaking past the third round of a major, joins Iga Swiatek and Aga Radvanska, who was there in Melbourne as the third Polish woman to make the semifinals at the Australian Open. Who would she meet next? Facing the winner of Arena Sabalenka and Donna Vekic. Vekic, that 5-1 record head-to-head -head against Sabalenka coming in. But this just looks like a different player, Lindsay. Yeah, we were curious if that head-to-head -head record would affect Sabalenka, and it did not. From three all in the first set, Sabalenka then went on to take control of this match. Coming in in her previous four matches, Vekic had 16 total double faults. In just these two sets, she had 13. She lost her serve. And Sabalenka was able to take advantage. Credit Sabalenka, who obviously has that improved serve and is serving better, but she's also Game. hitting well from the back of the court because she's in better shape. She's getting in better position. She can stay in points longer. And again, she was all over Game. the Beckage serves. Beckage only won 30% of her second serve points. And Sabalenka handled the pressure beautifully. Prakash, you were talking earlier in the show about how do players deal with opportunities. Sabalenka was ready for this one. Certainly was. 38, eight, uh, 38 winners, just nine aces, broke five times, saved 12 of 14 break points. She has only dropped 26 games in 10 sets so far. That's the fewest of any of her four runs to a major semifinal. Still hasn't lost a set all year, Arena Sabalenka. Big game arena. Six women in the open era to reach her first four major quarterfinal, to win in her first four major quarterfinal matches. You see the 18 and 0. Let's hear from her. There was a lot of tough moments and I was just keep saying like, just stay in the game, fight for it. 
don't give her like easy points, uh, make her work for it. And right now I'm a little bit more calm on court and I think I really believe that this is the only thing that was missing in my game and uh, if I have, if I can keep stay that focus and that calm on court, um, I can get through it. I was struggling a lot for first serve, second serve. I think I had quite a lot of double faults as well. Um, so really going to have to... Maybe it was just one day, um, bad day in the office, I hope. But um, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed with that. Still, nice run for her into the quarterfinals. Let's take a look at the next match. Farina Sabalenka taking on Magda Lynette. Owns the head-to-head -head in this one. Listen, I mean, she's only dropped seven games total in their previous two meetings as we take a look at the Tennis Express head-to-head. -head. Uh, what makes you think this would be any different, Lindsay? I don't. I think Sabalenka is relishing that she's in this semifinal and takes on an opponent that she's beaten handily two previous times. No question this is Magda Lynette's by far biggest match of her career. How does she handle that occasion? And that's something that Sabalenka, she's played in some of these big matches before. Her goal is to ultimately hold the trophy. Lynette's goal, I, I can't imagine when she came into the tournament, she was saying, telling herself, I want to be the Grand Slam champion here. She might start to believe it now, but it's a different mindset there. And Sabalenka has more weapons. I think she's going to return a lot better than Pliskova did as well and put the pressure on Lynette from the beginning. Lynette said herself she still doesn't believe it. So I, who knows at this point <laughs> yeah. if she will or not, John. Farina Sabalenka still has not made a major final. So what makes you believe this is the year she does it? Yeah, some of this is just the form that she's shown coming in. I, even on these highlights, she's built some cushion into her game. I and mean, we used to always joke that there's no plan B. It's all gas, no brakes. There's a little bit of cushion on her shots now. Again, she's playing a player outside the top 40. She's the only top 20 seed left. I mean, this is a much different opportunity than, you know, playing a hot player on the grass at Wimbledon. This is really, I, I hate to frame it like this, kind of her match to lose. Hmm. On the other side, Elena Rybakina, Victoria Azarenka. Azarenka Prakash, more titles, more career wins, more career prize money than the other three combined that are still remaining. How can she use that experience to help her get through this match? Well, I think it's just going to allow her to stay a little bit more keyed in because, look, she is at a slightly older age as well, I believe 33 years old, and she knows these opportunities aren't going to come around every day. So it just allows her to not kind of space out at all. She knows how important this is, so she's going to come in keyed in from the start. But... I've said that I love the way Rubakina has been playing. And when she's playing well, she can hit almost anyone else off the court. Azarenka does have a good way of being able to counter power. But something Rubakina said in her press conference, too, she's like, you know what? I've already won Wimbledon. I've gotten over that hump. So there's no, I'm trying to get that first Grand Slam. She seems in a good, relaxed space. And just tennis for tennis, I like Elena. I also I don't love this as an X and O matchup for Vika. There's so much power on the other side of the net. Also, we don't talk. It's sort of like Novak. We don't talk about this stuff. I mean, Vika's a decade older. Yeah. Experience is all well and good, but you know, ten years is a big chunk of time. I just wonder how Vika can handle this sort of first strike power. Yeah, it's a different kind of pressure when you go out there, and we've talked about it a couple of times this tournament. When you're not sure you can break every time you go to receive. And mm. normally that's one of Vika's biggest strengths is her return and her ability to make returns and really put pressure on the server. The thing is, Elena Rybakina serves better than really anyone on the women's tour, and especially so far in this tournament. She picks all the different spots. She's able to step up to the line, get some free points. That in turn puts even more pressure on Azarenka. And the 
biggest difference in Azarenka's game these last couple of years has been the serve. Yeah. All of a sudden, she's coming around the outside, slicing more, just kind of get it in. And I think then you feel even more pressure if you don't know you're going to break serve every time. So I think Rabakina has an edge with, with the game, but also the mindset. But Vika, uh, it's so tough. You never want to count her out. She was a set away from right. winning the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. Been a tough couple of years again since then, and she seems to hit her stride. But just too much game from Rabakina, I think. We say a decade later, she's still two years younger than Novak Djokovic, yeah, exactly. who's, who's doing amazing stuff. By the way, they've played once before Indian Wells last year. Rabakina won that one in straight sets. More still to come here on TC Live leading up to the women's semifinals in Melbourne. Prakash hits the road to tell us about a different kind of tennis. We're headed to Barbados when the show returns. TC Live, I'm Steve Weissman. And while the tennis world is focused on an island in between the Pacific and Indian Oceans, a subset of the sport is being played on an island in the Caribbean Sea. Barbados may be known for its beautiful beaches, but as Prakash Amitraj found out, it is also a road less traveled for tennis. Welcome back to TC Live. I'm Steve Weissman. And while the tennis world is focused on an island in between the Pacific and Indian Oceans, a subset of the sport is being played on an island in the Caribbean Sea. Barbados may be known for its beautiful beaches, but as Prakash Amitraj found out, it is also a road less traveled for tennis. In Barbados, if you ask someone to name a famous tennis player, it's unlikely they'd answer with stars like Roger, Rafa, or Serena. Well, I would say I'm a little bit of a celebrity, yes. Where I go to certain places, people recognize me. Girls normally look up to me in the island. They would tell me, well, one day they would like to become like me. Instead, you might hear a few names that haven't been echoed throughout Labor and Nash. Tennis players who dominate the streets. Well, actually, the roads of Barbados. My name is Mark Van and I'm the number one men's world tennis champion in the world. My name is Sheldon Warren, better known as Babyface Assassin, the number one female player in world tennis in the world. Well, you're one of the most famous sports when it comes to road tennis. You're at the sauna. This is um, our indoor facility for road tennis. As you can see, sometimes it gets really hot because of the heat that's generating on the court. An alternative to traditional tennis or lawn tennis, road tennis is a vibrant staple of the Bayesian sporting culture. Its inception, a response to socioeconomic inequality on the land. Road tennis was born in the 30s as a means of getting to play tennis because the locals cannot afford to play the traditional lawn tennis. Remember, we were under the British rules, so we were colonized. Traditional tennis would have been a privileged sport. Back then, we didn't have the paint, so the legend said that they marked out the court with a chalk rock. They would have used just a piece of wood to call it the net and used a piece of wood to use as a racket. You can find a road tennis court in every community in Barbados. 
We have them in basically your streets. They'll be driving past and you're like, there's a road tennis here, that's the people playing road tennis. I would explain road tennis as a similar version to modern tennis, but it's much smaller. The dimensions of the court is 21 by 10 feet. The height of the net is 8 inches by 12. Yes, use the same scoring as table tennis. Each body serve five, and then first person to turn one gets the win. Road tennis is our only indigenous sport. So we have courts now that are covering the whole island. I would say there are thousands of persons who are currently playing road tennis on island. This year we had a major competition which was the Road Tennis Open. Price money would have reached at least $10,000. I can tell you that we are attracting in excess of 100 persons per competition. With Road Tennis now a burgeoning sport across the island, leadership has its sights set on a much grander stage. A couple of African nations who would have expressed an interest in having it in their country. We're in the process of training coaches that we can export. We have interest from the European Union. Government cannot do it alone. So we are asking the private sector to come on board. The end goal is to see if we can have it as an Olympic sport. Maybe a little love from some of those other tennis names and faces could be of help. Of course, I watch the other formats of tennis, like the lawn tennis. My favorite player is um, Djokovic. One of my favorite players is Serena. Do you think that you could take her on a road tennis court? A road tennis, sure, but not lawn tennis. <laughs> of course I could take them on a road tennis court. Not a lawn tennis, but for sure, definitely a road tennis. <laughs> Rihanna, rum, and road tennis. Oh, That's what Barbados. Such a cool story, Prakash. Had you ever heard of road tennis before? No, no. It, it was something that, you know me, I'm always looking for inspiration absolutely anywhere you can. So, you know, when, when I was you know, brought on board this story, it, it just kind of reminds you of the, of the beauty of the will of the human spirit, you know, where, where resources aren't necessarily there, but you still have dreams. You can find a way. And sometimes when you pay, pave your own way, something that hasn't been created before, instead of going after what you were initially going after, mm. you create something even brand new. And you start inspiring people in a way you never thought you could, like we all are after, after seeing that piece. It's, uh, it, it, it's beautiful. And this is why sport just touches us all so much. I think that's the thing we've always talked about tennis is it's not a cheap sport and the access that you need to having courts, you having to have rackets, having to have tennis balls, having to have all the equipment. And it's just not possible in all over the world. And for what they're doing in Barbados to trying to give people an opportunity to play a certain version of a racket sport, it's great. We've seen the emergence of a lot of different racket sports the last couple of years. And this is just awesome what they're doing in Barbados. I'll see your pickleball and raise you a road <laughs> tennis. Um, no, I mean, I think you, you see here, uh, this is really, A, it's really cool. Yeah. B, I can see a lot of tennis skills translating. And, you know, one of the necessities of mother invention. I mean, that's a great uh, sort of making do with what you have. I want to... I think we need to start televising some of those matches. Those are pretty intense. Uh, absolutely. Darian King, by the way, from Barbados, the first player from that nation to win an ATP match, play an ATP tour match, make a Grand Slam, got to a career high of 106 in the world. They're actually playing ITF right now in Florida. But uh, Barbados, really cool stuff for Kosh.
didn't have the means to, to play traditional lawn tennis, so create their own form of this wonderful global sport. When we come back, they may be out of singles, but Coco Goff and Jesse Pagula featured prominently in our often imitated, never duplicated doubles report. That's straight ahead. Well, welcome back. We saw Tommy Paul and Ben Shelton, you know, that's my, be, those being my, friends. That's my era there. Mayoli and Shed. Where's your treadmill? Yeah. Look, are they synchronized? <laughs> I'm a friend. I, I, don't, I can't say I ever did that warming up for a legend match. Hantakova, Red Vodka, Mayoli, Shed. I mean, that's, that's good stuff right there. I think we got Craig Chikabon on the right yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike also. Jacob is a whole different generation. That's when the pro players are like, oh, my gosh, get these legends out of <laughs> Here's the men's doubles from yesterday. Andreas Mies, John Pierce facing Marcel Grenoliers and Horatio Zabayos. Marcel the shell with shoes on, John, hoping to get back to the semifinals here. And perhaps Leslie Stahl can attend. Marcel the shell is hatless. That's how you know uh, which player he is. These are the two remaining seeded teams. So whoever wins this match, they go into the semis knowing they will not have to play a seeded opponent. Who's it going to be? Uh, Steve, here's a stat. Yeah. I'm not sure this is right, but bear with me. This is Granolaires <laughs> and uh, the Bios. Could this be right? 36 winners. All right, that's good. Three, seven, Zero unforced errors. Oh, that's a generous that's, decision. That's oh, that literally be? on the Australian Open app. So, <laughs> come on. Zabios is 37, Granolieres is 36, 73 years combined, and guess what? They force this thing to a third and then end up. This is great shot making here. What, what do you mean? Smile, dude. You have zero unforced errors and you just won. There we go. Uh, Granolieres, two veterans onto the semis with zero unforced errors. He wanted 37 winners, not 36. Granolieres, Zabios, they've made two major finals together. They will face the Aussie wildcards, Jason Kubler and Rinky Hijikata. They took out the top seeds. Meantime, on the women's side, Coco Goff, Jesse Pagula back in action. Someone on Twitter, Lindsay, said if Jesse's nickname is JPEG, their team nickname should be PNG. They say there is no loss in quality each time a PNG is opened and saved again. PNG, by the way, portable network graphics. The quality doubles would continue. I'm still trying to figure it out. PNG, Pagula and Golf. Golf, PNG. She's JPEG, like the, like the picture. PNG is well, like they, a JPEG. They cruise through this match. Just saving you time from talking. 51 minutes. They were all business out there. Sometimes it's tough when you have your heart set on winning the singles title and you're still around in the doubles. Goff going after that forehand there. Even got her own Prakash arbitrage out of his chair there. But this was a, a master class performance. Goff was sensational up at net. And they are still alive in the women's doubles. Goff said she was getting rid of steam from singles. And John, what's your line here? They lost, lost in singles, but one and one yesterday. Yes. <laughs> Line of the day. Love that. Uh, PNG, they're going to face the Japanese duo featuring former UCLA star Anna Shibahara in the next round. The top seeded Czechs have not dropped more than three games in a set so far. They're two wins from defending their title. To mixed doubles we go. Sonia Mirza playing her final major event for Koch 18 years after her Grand Slam debut here. She could go out with the trophy. Well, she's calling at the last dance here, and Rohan Bopana, my guy, Bopes, in his early 40s, doing his best to be able to send her off for the title. Bopes has one Grand Slam mixed doubles title to his name. Sonia has won three out of four, including the Australian, her first Grand Slam title. She's still showing some of those marvelous hands and a bit of movement there, too, for Mama Sonia. 
her son over there supporting her, as is Rohan's beautiful daughter. Came down to the wire here. Kravchik and Skupski have been incredible over the last year. They're two-time defending Wimby champs. Went all the way down here to the wire. That giant forehand of Sanya is working, giving Bokes the opportunity to open up things with his backhand. And uh, the combination of Bokes' serve, Sanya's quick hands at the net. And can we get a little love for Bokes' movement there? Only 40, dragging that ball down. Come on now. Got that salt and pepper beard going on. Love to see it. Mirza won her first Grand Slam title 2009 at the Australian Open. How special would it be to finish in the last dance with the title here as well? They actually played their first mixed event when Sonia was 14. Rohan was 20, now 36 and 42, back in a final, taking on the Brazilian duo in the championship. Taking a look at our Yonex tournament summary. Tommy Paul getting past Ben Sheldon in that All-American showdown. Novak Djokovic, 44th career major semifinal. And we've got the women's semis tonight. Rybakina, Azarenka, Lynette, Sabalenka. Still to come, one former Aussie Open champ has traded in his racket for a set of ski poles. We'll take you from Melbourne to the mountains next. Welcome back. Time for our Bet365 match preview. This is a men's semifinal tomorrow night. Corinne Hatchinoff, Stefano Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas favored, minus 275. Of course, the head-to-head 5-0 for the Greek star. Hasn't dropped a set on hard courts. John, so what do you make of these odds? Okay, Karen. Uh, I don't know. The, uh, I mean, honestly, the head-to-heads have not served us particularly well and haven't been very meaningful, but that's a lot of accumulated scar tissue, I would think. I like Tsitsipas. <laughs> Why do you think it's been so lopsided, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> that, beat his, that beat his previous line. That was, like, that was fantastic. When he starts cracking jokes, lost, you know lost we're getting one one. a little... <laughs> okay, Karen. Be here Such a week. Karen. Oh, my gosh. I Always think Sissy Pass's game. Stop it. I'm going to try and get serious here. <laughs> He's got more weapons, right? He has the ability to come to net and finish points. And, and Hatchinoff, though, is an improved version of the last couple of years. I expect this one to be a little bit closer. I just don't see Sitsipas with this kind of opportunity, with the crowd support behind him, with how well he's been playing. I just can't see him letting this one go. Pound for pound, these guys are both heavyweights right. here. But when Hatchinov comes at him with that big first serve, that big forehand, Steph can stand right up there on either side, that backhand side or that forehand side, match him. He just has that extra versatility. He can use that slice. He can serve and volley. He can make Karen a little bit more uncomfortable than Karen can make him. I, I think it's just going to be another one for the books. Not necessarily going to be straightforward, mm -hmm. but right. I think he comes through. Interesting. I, I was waiting for the prop bet of uh, the over-under. Will, will Margot Robbie show up in the stands there for Steph? <laughs> uh, we told you Roger Federer was a co-chair for this year's Met Gala. He is also getting ready by attending Paris Fashion Week Ooh. with his wife, Mirka. Can, can we take a moment to admire that sweater? Yeah, a, a knit uh... goat vest. There are people on uh, social media saying, I guess she's a Novak fan. Uh, a, little, a little provocative wearing John, a goat vest. John, careful. Hey, I'm just reporting. A little provocative to wear a goat vest when uh, Djokovic is in the process of beating Rublev. But, uh, no, Roger, uh, retirement looks good on him. And yeah. nice to see him and Mirka out and about. Fun to do all the things that you always maybe wanted to mm. do while you were playing or thought right. that would be fun to go do. And it just seems like Roger's been able to do all that with enjoyment. You know, seriously, he, he said, I want to ski back. I cannot risk 
a wrist injury. And that's actually, I mean, he talked while he was playing that this is one of the deprivations of being a tennis player. I don't know if it was just his own decision or even contractual. He didn't ski as long as he played tennis, so nice to see him out there. I'm not, I'm not exactly a, you know, a connoisseur of the slopes, but the man looks pretty smooth out there. Don't you just wish he would do something that's just a little not smooth, maybe a little goofy here and there? I mean, the guy just, you know, he looks classic. Ro out. Roger Federer is doing something gracefully? Is that, is that what you're saying? He is from exactly. Switzerland, so, yeah, you grow up with skis on, right? Okay. Said it's been 15 years, but that sweater, that, that's a goat sweater right there. I not doing anything athletically. Well, yeah, clumsily. No yeah, way. No, yeah. I mean, exactly. Look at that. I mean, the turtleneck is just, you know, not everyone can rock a turtleneck like Roger. Like Victoria Azarenka's fashion <laughs> statement is spreading, apparently, to Anna Wintour. Yeah. Wintour sunglasses. <laughs> Anna Wintour. Never see her without the shades, that's for sure. Uh, our guaranteed picks coming up next from the crew. All right, you hear the music, you know what it means. Worth out stat of the day, let's go. You referenced 18-0, which is Djokovic's record after getting to the quarterfinals and getting through. He's never lost a final or a semi. Let's just pause and consider it is not the only 18 on his side of the ledger. He also happens to be 18-3 against the other two players. Never played Tommy Paul, his next opponent. But, uh, yeah, if you were looking for further indications that all signs were looking Novak, uh, here are two more starting with... High, 18. That's a double high right there. That's good luck for Novak Djokovic. Uh, time for our hot shot of the day for Gosh. Okay, what well, we got? Came from the cool customer known as TP. Early in the third set here, on the run, Ben Sheldon attacks the net, comes up with a lovely little touch here, but TP on the dead one slides into it, little carving around, throws a little butter on the Thanksgiving roll and gets it by. Ben Shelton, and the Ben looks good while he's doing it. How about the volley, too? Sensational form by Shelton, and then Tommy able to get that one by. Is that a saucy. smile from Ben at the end? That's like, he's that's never not smiling. He's <laughs> got great energy. Love that guy. Uh, Lena Rybakina, and Victoria Azarenka, first up in the women's semis tonight, followed by Magdalenette and Arena Sabalenka. Reseeded players remain. So as we do, once we've reached the quarterfinals, we get guaranteed locks. Guaranteed? That's such a dangerous uh, word. Can we not talk about yesterday? <laughs> that was what? Who did that you one, pick yesterday? I picked Pliskova. Come yeah. on. Magda that got her. Yeah. So, oh, that was a lock. So we got Prakash 2-0. Sure. Oh. we got? Lindsay's 1-1. Oh. One John's 1-1. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Stunting on him right now, Prakash. Uh, what did Novak say? I'll save the celebrating for the appropriate uh, yeah, time? Yes, exactly. A lot of, lot of balls still left. <laughs> <in the game. laughs> Who wants to go first? Uh, okay, okay, okay. Well, listen, we're talking about this Rabakina-Azarenka match. I know Azarenka's been here before, but as I've said, I just like the way the Wimby champ is playing. Mm. Big serving, and uh, I think, as you said, Linz, the offense is going to beat the defense. So who are you saying? Uh, Rubakina. <laughs> Rubakina. Rubakina. Let me be clear on that. Yeah. I'm going to go with Rubakina. There is one top 20 seed left on the women's side of the draw. You only one player in the top 10 has won a major? Uh, I think it's going to be two. And I think Sabalenka is going to be the one to do it. I think she beats Magdalenette. And I would even say she's got one more match in her. I think she's the favorite to win this event. What are we I laughing know, at that, here, guys? That just, what that, are we that laughing just at? said you picked Azarenka. <laughs> I'm going with that and I'm taking Sabalenka. I'm, I'm stealing Sabalenka back. Are you familiar with hedge funds? <laughs> the ticker 
doesn't lie. Ty doesn't lie. Are you sure right now? What's Zabalenka then? I can't change. All right, so make your case for Azarenka. See, that was what I saw. Azarenka is the only player left in the straw who's won a major two-time champion at this event. She's playing. So well, she's composed. She's bringing that veteran energy to bear. I think Azarenka is going to win this. That's a professional right that there. That is convincing. That is just tell him what to, what to argue, and he is there. Hedging bets. That's what we do here. All right, so, so give us your Sabalenka. I guess I'm against Sabalenka. I didn't think I was. I was actually going to go in the junior matches mm -hmm. and pick Lerner Tien because we're not supposed to pick the same people in our guaranteed matches. But since Sabalenka is available yep. as a free agent, she is mine. I think she's going to win the tournament. She's playing that well. Mm. I think she gets through Magdalenette. Wow. Lerner Tien, pride of Irvine, California, by the way. Yep. Still in, in the quarterfinals, singles and doubles, future USC Trojan. Yep. He's playing great. Right. Playing playing great. So, so she says Sabalenka going to win it all. You picked Rabakina to win... Today, the semifinal today. No, 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 we're not going ahead yet. Yeah, we're, we're not having that we'll discussion. Just go just, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. We have to All see right. how we the like four more shows, in the semis will then decide. <laughs> we can't guarantee our locks if we're picking rounds ahead, right? <laughs> if you had to change your pick today, Prakash, <laughs> then what would you do? I'd actually, I'd love to see a Rabak and a Sabalenka final. Mm. I, I think that we might need some extra balls. A couple of them might get popped throughout. But I, I think they're both playing fantastic tennis. And isn't that what we want? We want the best match to be able to be seen in the final. Remember when that was a story? Like these new, the tennis balls, the Australian, nobody's talking about that anymore. Like, yeah. 1973. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Old news, old right. news already. It's like first round. Rafa's like, yeah. I, don't, I don't like these tennis balls. And Get then, on with it. Right. Yeah. 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 Just, just keep the on going. The beauty of these events, though, right? I mean, this, you know, with late matches. Like, that's last week's story. Now we've got new things to focus on. All right. Looking for that mixed doubles final as well. I'd love to see Sun Yers go out on yeah, top. It's going to be a special one. And again, yeah. we, we've talked about this. It's different in these bigger countries where you see so many great different champions. It'd be a big deal back home. All right, it'll be down to two on the women's side when we see you tomorrow. TC Live, 5 o'clock Eastern Encore coverage. New time, a little later, 8 a.m. Eastern. For John, Lindsay, Prakash, our entire team, I'm Steve. Thank you so much for watching TC Live. We'll see you tomorrow.